What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Reclaimed. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. And everybody calls me Herc. Wait. Was it you who put the Glad in Gladiator? I, it was me. I did. I was completely content with that just being <laughs> Eater. Hercules was not a Gladiator. No, but he did put the Glad... No, when they were like, hey, what should we call these guys? Oh, and Herc Hercules just happened to be there. standing by. It's like when Forrest Gump well, they, they was like running a, around, and they uh, were just like, "It happens." What shit? And well, Forrest they, Gump uh, was like, "Yeah, put that on your fucking bumper sticker." Well, they use a gladius, which is actually a Roman invention, but uh, so it hasn't been invented yet. But we'll call them gladiators anyway. This film isn't quite historically accurate, is what I'm saying. No, we're about to dive into <laughs> one of uh, one of the one of the Disney films that didn't make a huge impact, but then never went away, and now it's considered more of a classic than I think than ever. This is Critically Reclaimed, by the way. This is our podcast where Whitney and I, we watch older movies on streaming that one or both of us have never seen before, as selected by our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Every episode, we have a poll. I put up two movies from a streaming service I haven't seen. Whitney puts up two movies from a streaming service he hasn't seen, and our patrons get to decide. This time, we were looking at Disney films that one or both of us had not seen, and uh, I think he stumbled onto one that neither of us had seen. No, I had seen this. You had seen this one? Yeah, okay, I, 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 hadn't, I had not. <laughs> okay. I had seen some of it. I didn't much care for it. And now I finally sat through the whole thing. And let's find out why I didn't care for Hercules. Her- Hercules was uh, the, the Disney renaissance on the decline. Uh, I, I think that it's fair to say. Because um, Disney really kind of, their animation studio was in trouble in the late 80s. Uh, it had been uh, in trouble for a bit, but yeah. by the late 80s, the Black Cauldron had lost so much money mm. that there was some serious talk about shuttering it. Uh, but then Oliver and Company did surprisingly well, and then that led to the start of the Disney Renaissance proper with The Little Mermaid, which brought, in some respects, the animation studio back to its roots, adapting fairy tales, mm. but also brought in like this whole new uh, wonderful aesthetic, absolutely incredible music. It was a gigantic success, and Disney started to spin off more and more films in that mold. And it led to a series of spectacular smash hits. I'm looking at uh, Disney in the 90s here, and it was yeah. actually a pretty good... Because, uh, Little the whole Mermaid decade was out, pretty good for Little it. Mermaid came out in at the end of 89, and yeah. uh, and it was a, a, an enormous success. Mm-hmm. It was up for Academy Awards. It won, uh, it won the Academy Award for uh, Under the Sea. It's right. not, you'd think it would be Kiss the Girl, but no, it's Under the Sea that mm-hmm. won. Weird. Uh, but yeah, before uh, Oliver and Company, they were sort of floundering with films like The Great Mouse Detective and The Black Cauldron and The Fox and the Hound came out in the early 80s, and yeah. that wasn't a big hit. Um, Robin Hood uh, was, that was sort the of, that was, the, that was back in the 70s, but yeah. You could, uh, see, you could see them starting to recycle Fox and the Hound, yeah, but before cheaper, Fox and the yeah. Hound, they did uh, The Rescuers, and before that was Robin Hood, so they weren't like so prolific. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, uh, when The Little Mermaid came out, it was sort of like this this gigantic explosion. Disney's yeah. back, baby. Yeah, a and return they, to form, but also yeah. a major step forward in a lot of ways. And then two years later, they came out with Beauty and the Beast, and that was an even bigger juggernaut. That was the first animated film ever nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Big deal. Uh, and first, and would be the only yeah. one until, I think, Up. 
I think Up was the second one. Oh, yeah, maybe one. so. Up and Toy Story uh, 3, I think, are the only other two. Uh, after Beauty and the Beast was Aladdin, which was yeah. also a juggernaut. That yep. made a huge amount of money. It wasn't as award-respected, but it's still... I think it know, also won Best Original Song. Most of these did. Um, mm-hmm. There were a few that they did like out of the studio, but weren't considered part of whatever... The proper. Like the, the um, canon. Like the, the Rescuers Down Under was a mm-hmm. film that was a massive bomb when it came out, but it's also where they... like. We're experimenting with a lot of new animation techniques, and mm. the animation in that movie is gorgeous. It's, it's a really good-looking movie. It's a pretty good movie overall, it's but it's a spectacularly good-looking movie. It's a pretty good movie. Uh, it was, yeah. I think it was being it was in production at the same time as The Little Mermaid, so it was yeah. considered sort of like this lesser follow-up at the time. But uh, yeah, af- after Aladdin, their big hit, they, in addition to The Lion King, which is one of the biggest yeah. animated films of all time, yeah. uh, which was on our list, and you didn't choose it. But, yeah, Whitney uh, still hasn't seen the original. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen the the other animated Lion King, yeah, the John not, Favreau film, but not the two D one. Uh, it's a shame that's the good one. Uh, and in in the midst of this were other films that uh, have become cult hits in the midst, uh, like The Nightmare Before Christmas and a Goofy movie came mm-hmm. out of this time. But uh, uh, the Disney Disney started to uh, start adapting more serious material, and they really floundered with how to handle it. Uh, Pocahontas was not as successful as they expected it to be. It's also not aged very well. There's a lot That's of really bad stuff seen. in it. I haven't seen Pocahontas. Pocahontas has not hold up good at all. Uh, and then The Hunchback of Notre Dame has some amazing stuff in it, but um, yeah, you really can't faithfully adapt that one for kids. <laughs> so they, It's weird. They changed some stuff, but they left some of the darkest stuff in the book in there. Mm. And so you've got this song, Hellfire, about a guy who wants to do horrible things to, to, the, to a woman. the woman that he can't sleep with. Yeah, yeah like specifically like, can't have sex yeah, with. Yeah, like it, it's not explicit, but it's also really clear what they're talking about. Mm. And even as a kid, you pick up on it. And it just, there was, it, there's so much good stuff in it, but. The, there was something that wasn't clicking. It wasn't they were getting out of their wheelhouse and they weren't comfortable just telling darker stories. They always I'm, wanted uh, to make them more appropriate for kids. I admire and thus their, ruining the story. I admire that they moved out of their wheelhouse with right. Hunchback. And uh because it, it is it's kind of this weird animal because it's like half just lighthearted Disney fantasy romp, mm-hmm. that usual blandness that they have. Yeah. And the rest is a little bit surreal, and the, yeah. the mix makes it even more surreal, and the music is great. Yeah. Uh, music is really good. Yeah. Alan, Alan, Mankin did the, he, Alan Mankin did the music for most of yeah. these, but uh, uh, they uh, made Hunchback of Notre Dame specifically with the stage in mind because at around that time, Beauty and the Beast had been adapted for Broadway. Mm-hmm. And that was a big hit on Broadway, and they figured, why don't we just make a film with the stage musical in mind? Yeah. So if you look and at. And indeed, they eventually did make a stage musical of Hunchback, and it did very well. And because that's kind yeah. of what it was built for. Yeah. Uh, by the time we get to 97, uh, this is when Disney entered this really unfortunate period when they were trying to be really funny. Uh, and they tried to move into sort of this slapstick era, and occasionally it worked. They did a film called The Emperor's New Groove a few years later. Which is they, mostly very funny. Which feels more yeah. like a Warner Brothers it, cartoon. It's weird. The two really successful, funny Disney movies from this era, like Goof Troop is its own, uh, sorry, a Goofy movie is its own animal, but mm. like the, the main studio, Disney, mm. they did two main comedies, and they're both stuff that the studio was not proud of, and they just kind of slipped out. That's mm. The Emperor's New Groove, which is better as a comedy than it is as a story. Yeah. And than uh, uh, Lilo and Stitch, which is brilliant, but they weren't super proud of it, and it took them a long time to acknowledge that that's one of their better movies of the era. Yeah. And and even those, uh, 
Emperor's New Groove was 2000 and Lilo and Stitch was 2002. Yeah, so a little later. Years later. Yeah. But this started kind of this trend of Disney trying to kind of lean a little bit more comedic. So mm-hmm. they made a film based on the Greek myth of Hercules. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that has always, always rubbed me the wrong way about Disney is they've gone back to like a lot of classic fairy tales and a lot of classic children's literature and a lot of mythology. And they change it so it just fits the house style rather yeah. than just doing the story, which is compelling but, enough. Well, it, I, it, it's different because in some stories, there's just not a lot of material and you got to add something to it to get it to feature length. To make it into a feature yeah, film. Like, yeah, like Sleeping Beauty is, they, they added like, you know, a bit more stuff with Florfana and Merriweather. And mm. I actually think that's a really great adaptation that keeps the core story, but adds stuff that makes it really strong. Yeah. Uh, and there are other examples of this as well. Uh, Hercules is an interesting one where there's tons of story. There's a lot. There's so <laughs> much from, out there. From Heracles. There's yeah. so mon- many stories of Hercules, of the original Greek myth, that they could have chosen to adapt, that could have stayed really close to. And yeah, you got to change a few elements of it because some of them are too sexy or too yeah. violent. But like mostly pretty just standard heroic fare. And they decided right from the start... To ruin the single most noteworthy thing about Hercules. And the single most noteworthy thing about Hercules is he is, by the classical definition, a bastard. Mm. He is, he was the, he was Zeus's son born to a human woman. That's why Hera, Zeus's wife, the queen of the gods, hated his ass and kept wanting to put him, kept trying to kill him, Mm. kept trying to put him through different horrible trials. And it, made him an outsider. He was of neither world. And that is kind of what makes him, even though he's super powerful, an underdog. Yeah. And right? And so Disney said, he's a god. He's he, not born of... He's a no, Zeus. He's not, Adam he's and not a demigod. He, he is the... In this version of things, yeah. he is the child of Zeus, who's played by Rip Torn. Uh, odd casting. Good casting, good, but yeah. odd casting. Uh, and Hera, who is just a non... She has no character in this movie. She's no. just sort of standing She's in the She's a back. loving mom yeah. who loves Hercules. Just and like Hercules, Hera was. And Hercules is her child. <laughs> and instead of Hercules... I believe Hera is the root of the word Herodon. Mm. Uh, but... Uh, I don't, I have Hera, to check Hera my linguist, not, linguists in, on that. In many myths, Hera is not the hero. Um, no, nor is Zeus. Zeus turns true. Zeus Zeus is into a horse and has sex with human Zeus, women as a horse. Zeus is just has children everywhere with all different human women, and then he and then the reason why they're not raised in the gods is because they're, 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 that that's her job. <laughs> she, mm. She's going to raise that kid, and so the moms all over Greece and wherever are raising their Zeus kids, and that's that. Here, because Disney, in their finite wisdom, somehow, I can only imagine that they were worried about conservative audiences not being okay with a hero being out, born out of wedlock and Zeus being portrayed as a fun guy who cheated on his wife. When, when okay, when was the last time you heard anybody complain? Yeah. And, like, even in, like, the, the darkest, rightiest, wingest mm-hmm. uh, corners of Twitter yeah. about... A child being born out of wedlock in a movie. I know, like I'm, I'm even a, in a kids movie. I mean, think about the Disney movies that were coming out in this era. There were a ton of single parents. That's, it was, that's Disney from the start. You go well, back to that, like Cinderella. You know, okay, the, yes, the, but my point the, is, yeah. in Cinderella, they always died. Yeah. In the '90s, they were still dealing with that boom in divorce rates. In the mm. '70s and the '80s, and people, there were a so lot Belle, of children. Has a father, no mother. There was a yeah. lot of children's stories about kids growing up with only one parent. Mm. 
that's Hercules. What were you afraid of, Disney? Mm. What what did you think would happen? And it's so weird because this doesn't solve any problems in their story. It actually makes their story unnecessarily complicated. The, what they just, they just came up with their own story. They used right. the names of these Greek heroes and a lot of like yeah. the visual well, indicators. Strictly speaking, but, they use the the names of these Roman heroes. Or they use names of these Greek heroes, but they use the Roman name of Hercules. Yeah, everyone else is the Greek hero, but Hercules, who's supposed to be Heracles in the world with Zeus and not Apollo, they just call him Hercules because Jupiter. Sorry, Jupiter. My apologies. Yeah, but it's like, um, (laughs) you just did. Do we just do no research, or do we just think no one would care? And after watching Pocahontas, I honestly don't know the answer. I think it's a little bit of both because Pocahontas is spectacularly inaccurate too. And this goes to my this goes to my uh, my actual complaint about Disney's tendency to turn things into their babies rather than mm-hmm. looking at the, the source material thinking that's interesting. Let's tell that story. Yeah. They're going to tell their own story. It doesn't matter. Exactly. And this also came at the, uh, during this, this weird time, uh, post Aladdin when Disney also figured, wait a minute, we can actually get away with celebrity voice casting. Yeah. As such, you've suddenly had this influx of comedians playing sort of themselves in supporting roles. To be fair, Disney had done that before, but it started to become more of a prominent because it used to be like, Oh, George Sanders is Shere Khan Mm. in, Mm. uh, uh, in the jungle book. That probably wasn't bringing too many butts into the theater. That was just good casting, and they were able to get him. Well, also, this was a point in George Sanders' career when he mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, Yeah, he was doing movies. Batman the TV series. Yeah. Not quite the dignified but, stuff he'd used to do. So, you know? uh, when they cast Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin, mm-hmm. that was a big boom for them. And yeah. uh, there's... If you look up Lindsay Ellis, she has a really wonderful video essay about mm. the legal battle between Disney and Robin Williams oh, yeah. and how they disrespected his contract about how they were going to use his character. Yeah, he did for not want to be like this. He did not want this to be a star driven vehicle. Mm. He wanted to just be in the movie and like be, yeah, put my name on it. I'm in it. But like, don't make this Robin Williams is mm. Aladdin. Mm. And Disney was managed to find every single loophole they could to advertise this as, which is, I think one of the reasons why when he died, he had it in his contract that no one's allowed to do anything with his shit. Yeah. Good. Fine. There there was an original idea that when they did that live action Aladdin, that they were going to use Robin Williams's voice and outtakes as, you know, he's ad libbing constantly. It's probably hours of outtakes. Mm. And they were going to like try to revive it that way. And he had like in his like will and, and, and he is like, no one can use my likeness for shit like that. And I think it's for like 50 years or something. Well, good, good yeah. for him. He's been he screwed over enough. He knows how exploitative people can be. Yeah, and, and I yeah. know a lot of actors are doing that now because like CGI, it's like mm-hmm. the Carrie Fisher thing came out from Rogue yeah. One and all of these actors started rushing to their agents saying, no, yeah, uh, like, let me, let me revise that. You cannot use my DG, my CG likeness decades after I'm dead. It's like desecrating a corpse, yeah, isn't man. it? I mean, I, I get it. I understand that like we're, revisiting some of this stuff and sometimes it's really weird like there's in Halloween Kills Donald Pleasance's character is in that and they did they did it in makeup mm. the makeup is so good I thought they used CGI like they got someone who must have looked a lot like him and then touched him up just right mm. because I thought they used CGI to bring Donald Pleasance back that's at least fair that's not that's not actually like using his likeness that's just trying to get someone to look like him like if you had done like a biopic I'm fine with that that's weird but I'm fine with that is when you start using CGI to give whole performances mm. that person didn't give that performance no no that no. person um, didn't okay that performance that person never said okay to that script but uh, anyway that's Robin Williams but the point is they got, Ro- we got James Woods here 
Uh, no, we got Danny DeVito here. Well, uh, Danny DeVito was was their comedian get. Uh, J- uh, Jason Alexander was their comedian get in Hunchback. Uh, um, but they also started uh, casting more better-known uh, live-action actors yeah, to play voice roles. More and, and, yeah, they uh, more Kevin Klein or yeah. in that one. Uh, so a lot of the, the professional voice acting community, I remember, was uh, in, in a bit of a huff about yeah. this, that these live-action people were getting their voice work. And the thing that really sort of kicked the door down was Shrek, which came out after this. Yeah, after where Shrek, they, where they no actually started, back. they started just advertising the entire cast of names on this poster of animated characters. That yeah. was the first time that happened in, on such a scale. Yeah, uh, and you know, uh, before you had stuff. Okay, the Swan Princess has John Cleese in it and Stephen yeah. Wright, but those are like little fun cameos. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm with you. for Hercules, they clearly had that in mind going in. Yeah, uh, where they wanted to. to exploit a comedian's known persona as an animated figure in their animated film from a marketing perspective. Well, my point is this. They did that with Danny DeVito. Danny Mm. DeVito isn't strictly a comedian, but he's mostly known as a comedian. Mm. Uh, And uh, and then they also got James Woods doing a funny performance and playing the James Woods type. Now, nowadays, James Woods is mostly known for being a toxic asshole. Yeah, and and uh, that's because we we've actually seen his Twitter feed, and that's a pretty apt description. Like he, he's just put it out there. That's all. Yeah, like that's and that's and he's comfortable with it, so I'm comfortable telling him he's a toxic asshole. Uh, at the time, James Woods was a much more popular actor. Mm. He was still in major projects, um, and he I think he'd been the Academy Award nominated once for it was for Salvador. They got nominated. It was also nominated for Ghost of Mississippi. I remember that's right. That. It was yeah. a little bit after this. Um, and he was considered a pretty good get, honestly. And honestly, in a vacuum, take his personal shit out of it, he is he is a good Hades. Mm. He brings this sort Again, of fast-talking, sort of 80s businessman kind of style to him. People, always trying to make a deal. babe. And from yeah. what I understand, he improvised that ver- that part of the character. Yeah. Where it's like, we kiss, we schmooze, we go home, happy, what do you say? Like, that That was all James Woods. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good character, actually. I, I like and I, and I, like the des- I like the design of these characters, mm. uh... They, I'm mixed. You're mixed on the design. Uh, some they, of them. They, there's some uh, some awkward CGI on like the monsters. I don't. Oh like yeah, the, the Hydra like the, looks like crap. I don't like the monsters in this, yeah. but they they at least tried to uh, evoke uh, ancient Greek urns. Grecian yeah, urns, that's the uh, least, where, at least in profile. Yeah, yeah, where there's all these sort of like black characters with stark white lines, like made of like obsidian. They're they're yeah stark black against these sort of uh, amber colored backgrounds mm. on these Grecian urns with these kind of stark profiles, and mm. they tried to design the characters after that. Yeah. I mean, they're the Disney they, well, animated they, versions of that. That's but, the problem. Yeah. They they did and they didn't like. Disney has a house aesthetic. Mm. Every once in a while, they'll bring in someone to sort of mix that up. Like Sleeping Beauty is not the Disney house aesthetic. They made it much more vertical while also Mm. increasing the length of the screen. And it has a different color palette than they were used to. It feels very, very different. Here, they're trying to mix it up, but they're also trying to marry it to their pre-existing style. Mm. And so every once in a while, you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe maybe this style is for me, maybe it's not, but it's at least distinct and consistent. And then you'll watch Hercules sing Go the Distance, and then like his face will like pull an Ariel, and it looks <laughs> like from Little Mermaid, and it's like he's trying to do what Ariel's face does, mm. and it looks wrong. Yeah. It looks and- completely, like, it just weird and inappropriate. It doesn't fit. The, the story is 
totally bizarre. Nothing to do with Greek mythology whatsoever. No, no. Here, here's, so, here's, here's the gist. Yeah, if you want um, to give the rundown. Hercules is born to Hercules and Hera, who are both to, very happy with and, it. Zeus and Hera. Sorry, to, to Zeus and Hera, who are both very happy about this because Zeus has never cheated on her and they have a perfect marriage. Um, uh, and all the gods are there just hanging out and having a good time, but yeah, they're, they're including... dreading the arrival of the evil Hades. Yeah. Um, who's not... By the evil. way, Hades, in, in <laughs> Greek myth, mythology. he's not evil. You got that from Clash of the Titans. That's where we get that from. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Clash of the Titans. Hades, he just ruled hell. There's this whole storyline in here I mean, where, like... even hell, just the underworld well, where the dead go. Yeah, exactly. And, like, there's this whole bit where it's just like, ah, oh, yes, the, the, the one of the protagonists mm. has sold her soul to Hades so that, oh, he'll own her soul. He owns literally everyone's soul. Mm. When you die, you go to mm. his house. And That's he, it. He's it's so weird. And he's secretly in league with the Fates. And I, I like the design of the Fates. The Fates it's are kind of yeah, who, um, They it, share one eyeball. Which is from classic myth. But, but it's an interesting but thing yeah, that the, they do with it. But they kind of like they, pass it around. Of all the things other. for Disney to keep, yeah. <laughs> you keep the disembodied eyeball and it's all gooey and gets mm. stuff on it. Like, weird choice. Um, anyway, Hades wants to take over Olympus because at some point... He feels he got a raw deal having to hang out with all these dead people all the he, time. He, and he never like gets I'm, to have the fun of everyone just lounging about on Olympus being groovy. Which, admittedly, does seem like they gave him the 9 to 5 job. Basically, he he feels like he's the Morlocks to their Eloy. You would think it would be Hephaestus, mm -hmm. who, who is in background shots of this yeah, movie. He makes um, lightning bolts. He's yeah, toiling. He's, he, he toils. He, yeah, he's, he's the essentially the laborer god. Yeah. He's He works the forges. Yeah. And, uh... According to myth, like he he's sort of pilloried because of his appearance. Yeah, uh, like he like he he walks with a limp. According to a lot yeah. of, uh, he's not uh, one of the prettier gods. Yeah, but he's uh, married to Aphrodite. He's married he's to a embarrassed by him. And, yeah. Well, depending on which story, well, how most versions I read, but yeah, but he's married to Aphrodite, who is the goddess of love and beauty, and yeah, uh, and, so and, it's like they're like odd couple kind of yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> Uh, Can they share an apartment in, in, you would in think, New York? You, you would you think if he, if he has like a, a jealous wife that he's trying to get along with and, you know, is constantly toiling away and doesn't get to go to the parties, you think he would be the one who'd make like a villain in this version of the story. Makes a little more sense. Instead, it's Hades who, yeah, he's, because he's, he's working all the time well, and he's hanging out with dead people. And evidently this. Zeus gave him that job at some yeah, point. I guess. Because he resents watching, him. I was watching this with Michelle, mm -hmm. uh, my wife and partner, and Lapis da Silva. Uh, by the way, we're recording this on the one-year anniversary of the release of their novel, Hooker, which is an awesome uh, pro-queer, pro-sex work, feminist uh, slasher vigilante novel. Mm. Uh, and you should totally check it out. It is awesome. It is about a sex worker who fights a misogynistic serial killer using hooks as weapons. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I was watching this with Michelle, and they were saying that... Um, and they brought up... It was a beautiful point. Like Americans and Westerners in general, we seem to have some kind of weird issue with death. We always want to make death the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, he cannot yeah, just definitely. be. He can just be a natural part of life. It's always got to be we're fighting death. That's that's Western philosophy. Yeah, in a nutshell. Uh, it's it's. Uh, but we but we're, we're, what, what you might call duality, uh, yeah. where there's there. It's not life and death in constant interplay. The yin and the yang. That's an Eastern philosophy yeah. thing. We are in. In battle with death, we spend more time dead than we do alive. You'd think you'd think we'd be one and like no. maybe make death seem cool, but... uh, un unless you believe in transmigration. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> but... All right, you know what? Let's not let's not get into that bag mm. of words. My point is this: they they decide to make Hades a villain. Hades finds out from the fates that he will totes conquer Olympus in eighteen years, but only if Hercules doesn't become a thing. So mm. he sends like, not... I, I, Hercules. I guess is an heir. 
to Zeus's throne. Uh, that's like really that's kind it. of implied, but it's they implied, don't say but that. The, but they also say the gods are literally immortal, so that's irrelevant. Yeah. Um. But uh, in any case, so Hades, not Hera, sends two snakes, his demon accompaniment, uh, Pain and Panic, played by Bob Goldthwait and Matt Frewer. Good casting. <laughs> I like them. Uh, sends them to kill Hercules as snakes, and Hercules, of course, beats them up because he's Hercules. Um, then they decide that the whole reason, the thing is, we can't kill him because he's immortal. So what? No, here, here's what happens. I, I mixed I mix up the order here. Mm. They give him a potion, and if he drinks every last drop of this potion, he'll be mortal, and they can kill him. Okay, cool. And, and they say specifically he has to drink every last drop, and wouldn't you know it, he drinks everything. But one drop. Yeah, they drop the bottle. There's one drop left, and so he's completely mortal, except he's got Superman strength. Also, you can like drop a mountain on him, and he'll live. Mm. So he's he's Superman. He's Superman, basically. So he's got all that strength. They try to kill him as snakes, thinking he's mortal now. He is, but he might as well not be because he's Superman. And he stops pain and panic, and then pain and panic are like, well, we mostly did our job, so we'll just. Pull a sleeping beauty and tell our boss that he's dead. Mm. And then in 18 years, we'll go, whoops. And then that's what happens. So Hercules ends up being raised by people. And by the way, he gets raised by a kindly old farmer named Amphitryon. We see Zeus and Hera. They find out about this. It's not like he's lost. They know where he is. Mm. And they're just really sad. Oh, no, our son's mortal now. And they're like, well, I guess we can never see him again. And I'm like, why not? Why? You could just... They say, like, only only gods can live in Olympus. I'm like, okay, A, who makes the rules? Pretty sure Zeus. B, if Zeus doesn't make the rules, well, that's a whole lot to unpack. But C, you don't have to leave him alone. Gods go to Earth all the time. Yeah. Hades is doing it constantly. You could that's come a... down to Earth and raise that kid, and or at least visit once in a while. You chose... To do this to him, you are terrible parents. That's a. An it's actually I... better if he's. It makes more sense. It makes more <laughs> sense if he's like not, you know, born in wedlock here, and he's got an actual human mother who wants to raise him, and maybe she doesn't want Zeus there at all, even if he wanted to be. That's the. That ser- makes more sense. That's the story of Aquaman. Well, it is also uh, the story. Of Aquaman. <laughs> so Hercules is Aquaman. Uh, well, a lot of superheroes get their mm. stuff from Hercules. At least some of it. Oh yeah. Well, that and that's what I'll, I mean. Cal Cal L is is the Moses story. That's a lot mm. of his has been made of that. But um, he's also got some Herc in there too. But yeah, yeah. A, a lot of a lot of the superhero comic books. Uh, those guys read old myths and old old is. stories, and uh, yeah. so yeah, they they based these sort of like uh, brightly colored yeah. uh, comic page heroes very vaguely on. Before on the, we had superhero movies, mm. we had in the fifties and sixties it was called the sword and sandal or peplum genre, mm. which was Hercules movies. Mm. We had a lot of Hercules movies and some Jason and the Argonauts movies and, and some Theseus and, movies. And Machiste. <laughs> yeah, and Atlas. And we had like that. And, and some of them are quite good, actually. The first two Hercules movies are fun. Oh, yeah. That's for like, sure. I mean, they were, and they were lampooned on MST3K because, you know, they're, they're kind of campy now. But like, they're fun, though. And they're as good as at least some of the superhero movies we have now. They got that epic scope. They've actually got more sexuality. Like, they're actually neat films. Mm. So this is the the DNA of the superhero genre. Anyway, Herc grows up and nobody likes him. They don't explain why nobody likes him. He's... It's because he wrecks stuff. Well, we don't... But here's the thing. We Mm. know they don't like him before we see him be clumsy. Yeah, he's... If we've seen him be clumsy and then they hate him, then it's fine. But afterwards, it's just like, what? Is he, like, a jerk? 
But there's no reason to. They, they do call him. They call him Herc. They call him Jerkules. Yeah. How so clever. I'm, uh, I'm like, maybe he's a jerk. Maybe he's not yeah, a nice he, person. Uh, and this is his character arc. And it turns it's, out, it's no. Im- they just... It's implied that he is clumsy. We see him as. Uh, that we flash forward. We see him as a teen. And yeah, yeah he's, he's like sort of gangly. And he's pulling the horse cart real fast because he's got super strength. Yeah. And everybody is afraid of him, like running into town. And uh, one of the shticks is. Uh, there's just disasters all the time on Earth, and yeah. everybody's complaining about it. And when yeah. Hercules comes in, uh, there's a big uh, set piece where he knocks over a building yeah. and, and ruins oh, everybody's oh, lives. Like a lot of buildings, yeah. like destroys everything. And afterwards, he's like, "Why doesn't nobody like me?" And I'm like, mm. "I don't know. Maybe it's because he has superhuman strength, and he didn't like help Maybe, them clean up. Yeah, it's because you didn't you didn't take responsibility for your messes, and you ruined everyone's well, livelihoods, and you actually have the power to do something about it, and you didn't even stop." <laughs> To help tidy up, maybe if you'd stop to help tidy up, yeah. they would say, "Well, at least he's trying." And instead, you're a Jerkules. <laughs> they also call him Herculeuser. Well, he's that's, that too. That's some good writing. Uh, he and to, he takes solace uh, his descent to uh, the Temple of Zeus, mm-hmm. where Zeus appears to him in statue form mm-hmm. and says, "I'm your famous father. You didn't know you had a famous father." Yeah, and it's Rip Torn, so it's really weird. He's just, yeah. He gets to like, be really jolly. Surprise! I, I can just picture yeah. Rip Torn in the booth doing that. Yeah. Uh, Which and raises the question, if you could just tell him that, why didn't you do it years ago when he really needed a dad? Mm. Someone to explain. Because like, he's wondering what's wrong with him. He doesn't understand it. Well, the, clearly, and, like, there's literally no reason. There's literally no reason. Look, they're gods, but let's not go nuts. Uh, <laughs> like... I spent it, listen, for 18 years, mm. I was refiling my vinyl collection. And I'm a when god, I got millions yeah, of records. Yeah, like, I was busy. <laughs> you know, and then I was like, oh, you're 18 now. I can oh, look yeah. I can look into the future. I was in it like a big Bowie phase for a minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, and you know what? Uh, speaking of music, um, Paul Schaefer is in this movie. As, as Hermes. As Hermes. <laughs> Boy, is that weird. That's Paul Schaefer from the David Letterman show. Yeah. Musician Boy, is that fucking weird. That, that's a weird cameo. He doesn't even, like, play music, really. And he's he's one of the supporting characters who has, like, lines and stuff. He's got multiple lines. Mm. It's really weird. But, anyway, uh, he's Z- told... Zeus her- says, you, you can come back to live with me on Olympus yeah. under the following plot machinations. Yeah. Uh, you, you have, have to, be- to prove yourself a hero uh, in a vague sort of way. A true hero. A true, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, because kind nothing of, makes mm. someone heroic... Like, only doing heroic things for selfish reasons. Yeah, you're doing it for yourself. Uh, yeah, like, literally, is, that's the part of the movie. Th- this is, the uh, like, a big element of the Marvel movies. Like, you can only use this uh, magical hammer uh, if you are worthy in some abstract way. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's never really explained what qualities you need to have Not or what you need to do. No. Uh, in this Hercules movie, it's pretty clear cut what happens and how he gets to earn his godhood at the yeah. end of the movie. Yeah, at the very least. At the, he, at the end of the movie, fast forwarding a bit. I actually make, do appreciate they do handle make, that part He makes well, yeah. a, a, an important sacrifice. Yeah. Like he actually gives well, of himself and he, that's what gives he has, him his he, godhood. Shooting ahead, he agrees in order to save one life to give up his powers and uh, for one day and that's when Hades will conquer Olympus mm. and he decides to fight and try to stop it anyway even though he's powerless and ends, that's that, actually that's a heroic. Bit more heroic. That's genuinely yeah. heroic because he could die. Yeah, the, okay, this, the, fine. The, uh, that's actually not bad. I'm not complaining about the, that. If, part. if you're worthy, you can smash a guy's head into putty. It doesn't with this magic hammer. It doesn't. Yeah. It's like, well, if I use it, am I not a hero yeah. anymore? Because I just killed a guy. Yeah. Anyway, so he's uh, he's sent to a hero trainer, hmm. a satyr. 
Philatites. Yeah, named Phil, played by Danny DeVito. And when we meet him, uh, he is ogling the sirens without their consent and trying to grab them. uh, It's nymphs. Are they nymphs? Regardless. He's ogling a bunch of women without their consent, and when they find out that he's there and run from him, he tries to grab them, raising the question, what would you do if you got one, Phil? (laughs) I don't think it would be wholesome. I don't think this is a great way to introduce a heroic character. Literally a guy whose job is to train heroes. He's a satyr. And they are wood nymphs. Uh-huh. They are known for cavorting and being sexy. I realize that, but that's the part you're going to be faithful to? The part that makes him creepy today? Creepy, that's the important thing. Especially in a kid's we, movie. We changed literally the origin of Hercules in this origin of Hercules movie. But the important thing is that Danny DeVito gets to be creepy to women. That's the important thing to keep in there. It that was what this. That was the choice. Disney it should have been the other way around. The nymphs should have been chasing him. That would have been funny. Uh, but uh, that would have been nice. That would have been a nice little treat. Mm. Like, wouldn't that be kind of fun? Here's a guy. He's Danny DeVito, and he's just got such a strong personality that people are into him. Yeah, that would well, actually be interesting from a character perspective. Instead, and we, you made him this gross Revenge of the Nerds cliche. And when we when we meet him, he's yeah, he's the coach. He's going to yeah. train Hercules, and we get a yeah. timeline of events because he talks about how he was the one who trained uh, Jason uh-huh. and Odysseus and Theseus and Perseus. A lot, uh-huh. of, a lot of yeses, he says, and mm-hmm. uh, so this takes place after the Trojan War. <laughs> yeah, Hercules, the demigod. Yeah, was like we can trace his actual chronology now. Yeah, yeah. It's also, a, I think that's a little odd. It, uh, it's also odd because uh, it fucks up the continuity because he actually is like, oh, that's a piece of the Argo. And I'm like, Hercules was on that. <laughs> Hercules was literally part of that story. He's already did that. Uh, uh, so you're just, you didn't have to put that in there. You literally, you could have, put, you could have had anything. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, oh, this box fell on me. Oh, that's Pandora's. Don't touch that. You mm. could have done that, and that would have been fine. Instead, you did no, the they, thing that they, wrecks they, continuity. They, they did do that. that did was, they do that? Yeah. Did you that bit? Okay, yeah. well, regardless, you would have been. <laughs> My point is this. Mm. You, you chose to break continuity mm. for a joke so, that no child is going to get. There, so no kid is going to uh, be like, oh, the Argo. I saw that Ben Affleck movie. So this is this essentially becomes kind of like a sports movie, yeah, and kind of, indeed, um, kind of riffing on Rocky a lot of it. Uh, you know? But uh, he he becomes uh, there's a the first big trial is he fights a high like the big set piece is he fights a Hydra. Well, uh, before that, out, actually, they, for like they do a trial run where he actually saves. Oh, that's right. We meet uh, uh, Megara, the yeah. other the other lead of this movie. Yeah, and uh, she's being uh, uh, sort of attacked and manhandled by a centaur, and. Uh, Herc tries to save her from the centaur, and it's it doesn't it isn't handled very well. Honestly, the, the filming isn't very, like the timing is weird. The shot choices are really disjointed, and then he f- defeats the centaur. But it turns out he actually shouldn't have done that because without Turk doesn't find this out until later. But Meg was working with Hades, and Hades was trying to make like a bargain with that guy to try to have him join his evil scheme. Mm. And now he's got the shit kicked out of him, so that's not going to happen. Mm. So it turns out Meg is working with Hades. This will be important later. Uh, Meg is voiced by an actress named Susan Egan, uh, mm-hmm. who was on stage as Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And she's very uh, good. And she she gives my favorite voice performance in this movie. She, she's the uh, least of the celebrity cast that they got. They got mm-hmm. you know Bob Goldthwait and Rip Torn mm-hmm. and James Woods and all of these famous people. And she's the one who's actually bringing a little bit of life to the role. Well, uh, and I kind of like her, like just the the vocal inflection she gives to sort of the defiance of Megara. Yeah. She actually, 
I know people say this about sort of uh, Disney heroes. like, she's the princess who doesn't need to be rescued. She actually mm-hmm. seems like she has some agency uh, yeah. in this story. Um, I, I will say that as much as mm. I, I actually do like her performance in this, uh, the best performance in this movie is actually a shared performance. Uh, it's the muses who we haven't talked about yet. Um, we're, we were going to get to the muses. The, the absolute best part of this movie and the cleverest bit is they decide to make the Greek chorus for this Greek movie, uh, basically the backup singers from Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And we have this very... Uh, 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 what, what's what's the? Hmm. Th- does this incredibly excitingly produced series of numbers explaining the plot, hmm. and they are well, they're, some- the, they're the mu- that which is the function of uh, muses or a chorus, yeah, basically in Greek theater, where yeah. a, a group of people wearing masks uh-huh. would step out and they'd sort of dance and mm. recite events, yeah, previously on Oedipus, that kind of yeah, thing, yeah. you know, and. But here they have they, the music is really really wonderful. It's absolutely delightful. The wonderful performances from all of them. They have a, it's a song that's I think fun, but it's got some problems. But regardless, I really really like this. Uh, I guess this sextet that they have mm. with Meg later on, where she refuses to admit she's falling in love, but all the muses mm. know she is. Yeah. No and chance, the, no way. Yeah, that's, yeah. I like the muses that song. are killing it in that song. They're really <laughs> having a good time. Um, so they're the best part of the movie for me. But anyway, so mm. Herc uh, fights. It, it's it's an odd choice, though, to use yeah. Christian gospel music yeah. in an ancient Greek story. It's a weird choice, but yeah. it, but but it's I mean, it, it's adding it, it does add personality, it adds but personality it's, it doesn't fit the material. It at doesn't all. fit the material, but it does. And here's what it, that's the one thing in this movie, because they try to put a bunch of modern stuff in here. Like when Herc becomes popular, he's got his own like air Hercules shoes. Like that's the, who put the Gladden gladiator. Yeah. 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 And that's, that bit is actually more historically accurate than you might think. Actually like famous like gladiators and shit used to do that. But Mm -hmm. like, I, yeah, no, that's the, that's not funny. Um, it also is kind of not important. The story doesn't need that. Uh, changing the Greek chorus to become more of a gospel choir kind mm-hmm. of vibe or more of a, a soul music kind of thing is unexpected, but mm-hmm. oftentimes those stories, what are, what are, what is Christian gospel music talking about? God, mm-hmm. you know, telling stories about the religion. Um, it's a lateral move from a narrative perspective. It's just completely different context. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually kind of clever. And I think it works because the music's really good. Mm. Um, so that's actually, that's the one weird choice that they made where I'm like, you know what? That, that works. Mm. That works. I really like that a lot. Um, Herc uh, shows up in Thebes. Thebes is uh, currently in the process of uh, uh, basically the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, depression? No, well, they're depressed as hell, mm. but no, they're actually, they're dealing with the uh, uh, fallout uh, from Oedipus. <laughs> because they're oh, right. dealing with all of the tragedies that befell that kingdom after Oedipus found out that he had killed his father and slept with his mother. So they leave that in. There's a couple of Oedipus, re- Oedipus references. Mm. Oedipus Rex references. Oh my uh, god. Oh what? It was right there. <laughs> and uh, so my, Herc my, has my, got a... F- my favorite Oedipus joke is still from Mel Brooks' mm. History of the World Part 1. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, I can't give you the punchline because it's incredibly rude. <laughs> it's but... incredibly rude. It's very, very funny. <laughs> um... The uh, uh, but uh, 
Hades finds out that Hercules is alive. He also finds out that although he's super strong, he can be killed. So he keeps throwing monster after monster at him, and every single monster just makes Hercules more and more famous and popular, thus making Hercules more of a threat to him. Cute bit of irony. They, I'm actually amazed almost at the restraint Disney had in glossing over all those fights in like the course of like a montage. Yeah, because he's just well, fighting monster after monster, and this would be set piece after set piece nowadays. Well, and that should be—I I would think that the twelve tasks, which is what they're alluding mm-hmm. to, are should be the the backbone of the whole movie. You would think, right? Isn't that like, kind of like, the obvious I, choice? I am Hercules. I'm kind of a dick. You need to perform twelve tasks for, yeah. for Disney reasons. Clean all this poop out of the shed, Hercules. Which was yeah, was one of the tasks. Yes. He, had, he had to clean the uh, the, the stables. Uh, he uh, he fights the uh, the Nemean lion, lion uh, the, which by the, the way, elementary and boar. They, uh, those they, those have like cameos. The lion shows up here, and it's Scar from the Lion King. Now mm. the initial oh, it's Scar from the Lion That's King. It's kind of funny visual reference. But then yeah. later on, when he's posing for an urn, he's, he's wearing Scar's skin. He's wearing Scar's skin. <laughs> you can see Scar's dead face. Mm. Phil picks up Scar's flesh mm. and wipes his face with it and scars dead eyes look at the camera it's weirdly morbid i like it i well, like that morbidity the other thing i was watching, I was watching this with, with michelle uh, and they brought up another interesting point which i i thought it was morbid enough to begin with they're like i like scars an interesting character he's a bad guy but like mm. i don't know if i want to see his corpse desecrated by phil uh but michelle brought up a great point which is scar is a queer-coded character so doing mm. that is also extra oh, well. gross so, like, that's mm. the one you chose. I get it. He's the lion. But you could have mm. done any of the mm. other lions. Wouldn't have been weird if it had been Mustafa. I guess it, I guess if it was Mustafa, children would have been weeping too hard. But you no, should have done it at all. It should have been baby Simba. Like the young Simba. <laughs> you really wanted to go shock for it. Um, anyway, uh, Hades realizes that the best way to neutralize Hercules is to uh, hit him where it hurts. In his heart. So he has Meg seduce him. And then he threatens Meg's life. Uh, and then Herc is like, okay, fine. And, if you don't kill Meg, I'll give up my powers. And, and Meg, that's when... Meg only agrees to this because she's like, is a slave, essentially. She can't yeah. say no to him. Well, it's, it's this weird thing where Katie says, like, yeah, I'll add two years to your sentence mm. of death. Nope. <laughs> Where else is she going to go? There's no other death. It's not like Hades is the bad well, death. It's the only death. Th- there is, because there's like the underworld where you can kind of come back from and still communicate uh-huh. with people. And then in this version of things, there's also this sort of like infinite bottomless pit where you're like your ghost yeah. sinks into. But it's just vague and weird yeah. and it doesn't work. Um. Anyway, so like, and also the whole thing, it's like, oh no, I'll be dead and I'll be fine. Apparently mm. we know for a fact there's an afterlife we can just walk in and out of. So killing someone could, isn't really the threat you think it is, Hercules. Could, couldn't you have made an Orpheus reference in, in all of Maybe, this? Maybe, like, you could curse them. I will turn them into stone. Oh, that's worse than death in this universe. That kind mm. of thing. No, can't do that. There's a Medusa right there. Just have that be the thing. <laughs> um, but uh, Hades' plot, and he wants to take over Olympus. Mm-hmm. He knows he can only do so with the hero out of the way. This is stupid Batman v Superman garbage. Mm-hmm. It's like, I need to make sure the heroes are fighting so I can get away with some vague plot. And, uh... So he has to get Hercules out of his way right when the stars align, which will open a prison where the Titans are living at the bottom of the sea, and the Titans are like literal walking mountains. Yeah, there's five Titans, mm. one for water, one for air, one for fire, one for earth. And get a, it? And also and a, a Cyclops. cyclops. <laughs> just, which they don't call Polyphemus, they should yeah, have. Um, it's just, just a Cyclops. Also, the Cyclops is um, really 
fat. And you can tell the animators are really focusing on making sure you know that the fatness of this character mm. is grotesque. I don't and there's something about that. No, grotesque, just a lot of movement. I think it's no. actually a really. And, no. you know, one is rock and sort of spindly and stick like, and this no, guy's kind of, kind of blobby. I think I, it's kind of cool. It, cool looking the one, that, the one villainous human looking character they mm. made really fat. Mm. I'm sorry. I, it's as someone who is. As someone who has been fat most of their life, mm. uh, it, it, it adds up, mm. and uh, you start you start having a little less patience for it. Like if it was like once in a while, there was like a fat thing like this, fine. But usually, fat people aren't treated very well in film. Mm. They're often uh, comic relief, or they're seen as you know ugly jokes, fat jokes. Oh, look at how corpulent the bad guy in Dune is. Mm. That kind of thing. Yeah, Are there any other fat people in Dune? No, just the mm, disgusting, no. just the disgusting bad guy. Oh, he's he's gay too. His queerness is part of his villainy. Oh yeah, um, thanks a lot, dude. Good yeah, job. That, that, and that that goes to Frank Herbert. That's not um, the movie thing. Uh, yeah, um, it, it's it's a, an unfortunate design cliche. Yeah. Uh, a short a shorthand that too many filmmakers rely on that uh, they make their villains uh, fat guys. Anyway. Um, okay, so part of the deal Hercules makes with Hades is that Meg will be unharmed. However, in the process of saving Hercules from a Cyclops, Meg is grievously injured. Mm. And as a result, that breaks the deal with Hades and Herc's, and Herc gets all his powers back. Which is a loophole. Yeah. I think it might have been more satisfying if Herc had won the day without getting his powers back. Mm. But instead we're doing this. And uh, uh, well, so Kirk he, he is does, able to. He, he does because uh, he has to. Uh, he has to save her. Well, ultimately, yes. So what mm. happens is he's able to save Olympus, but Meg is still taken by Hades mm. down to well, Hades, and uh, he throws her into the pit of eternal. That, well, you're that, dead now. That's swir- it. Looks a lot like the thermos from Prince of Darkness. Yeah, and that big green. It, fir- it looks like that room Nyquil in Beetlejuice where you just like the Lost Souls room. Oh yeah, yeah. you know. The spirit, the, the room for spirits who have been exercised. So he throws Meg down there, and he's and, like, "Well, she's down there now." And Herc's like, and, "Well, I and when you're when you're in there, you're just sort of you're part of this mass. Like yeah. you, you don't you're not suffering. You're just sort of mm-hmm. kind of gone." Yeah. And he says, "Well, I can dive in there." He says, "Well, you, you're mortal. If you dive in there, you'll age. Yeah, you'll become a very old man real quickly, and then you'll die all of a sudden. And that's a pretty good deal for Hades. And Hades, I actually like this bit. And he's like, "Wait a minute, how?" Am I getting screwed here? How yeah, like, this work? like he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the noble thing, and I'm going to die. And and Hades has to think it out. It's like there's there's no downside. Hang on, there's got to be a downside. Hang on, no, no, there's no downside. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> if you make it out, I don't give a shit. You'll be old and you'll die. Mm. Um, and there's a there's a good visual gag in this movie. I think it's really neat, and I think they sell it really really well actually. Where when someone's about to die, and it happens a couple of times in the movie. Unless the, this is also from Greek mythology. Yeah, but the fates are—they pull out the string that is the, their life, the strand of your life. Yeah, yeah. and you cut, and, you cut the strand short, and you and they, die. They cut it with scissors, and as soon as they cut it with scissors, in this really striking silhouette image, it goes, and then Meg dies, and that—that's what that means. And it's a good way to show the death without showing the death. But they treat it with enough gravitas; it feels really ominous. It's really cool, actually. So when Herc is. Swimming through the dead people, and he's rapidly aging, and he's dying. Mm. You see the fates pull out his strand, right? And then we've just seen this, and then they pull out the scissors. And then just when they pull out the scissors, and just when they snap it, the strand turns to gold, and they can't break it, because that was him actually being a true hero. And I will Mm. say this, that is nicely handled. 
Uh, it's, that is a good bit of it, that is a good bit of visual storytelling right there. It's a good bit of visual storytelling. Uh, the idea that the fates cannot cut short the life of a god goes against Greek mythology. Well, of course it the, does. The fates can cut the thread of Zeus if they wanted to. They're the uh, fates. They can yeah. the fuck they want. <laughs> Granted, I'll give you this, but in terms of they can't do this right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. It works out pretty, pretty good. And that's it's nice. And, and, and he out. And, yeah, he's, and he's a god now, so he's nice yeah. glowing. They design him a little and, bit And they throw Hades down into the ghost. And the implication is, well, he'll be back. He's a god. But he's but temporarily inconvenienced. He, he really hates it. It's like uh, the, mm. the ghosts are all kind of like getting their slime all mm. over him. He's like, ew, get off me. My, my hair is out. Yeah. Oh, we don't, we haven't talked about cute animal sidekick. There's a Pegasus in here. Oh yeah, that's another thing they fuck up because uh, Pegasus mm. is not Hercules' steed. They just give him that from anywhere else. Yeah, Would, just, just from wherever. He has a, he has a Pegasus named mm-hmm. Pegasus. The thing it, that, it has as much personality as that carpet in Aladdin, which is frustrating because I I actually I like some of the animal sidekicks Disney has done over the years. One of my mm. favorites that they've ever done is actually not a sidekick. It's Maximus the Horse from Tangled. Oh, absolutely. Which he, is the horse he's, version he's of the Javert. Javert. Yeah. <laughs> he's if, the, the, almost the villain of the piece. If Javert from Les Miserables was a horse, you'd get Maximus <laughs> in Tangled. And he's one of my very favorite Disney characters. So you could totally give these characters a lot of character. A lot mm. of whimsy. Some personality of uh, a vibe. Pegasus doesn't really. Pegasus is just a loyal sidekick, except there's one bit that really... Pe- Pegasus is a bro. He's like a they, bro. They, they headbutt and high-five. Which, and like, I kinda, hey, you could have played that up kind of even kind of more. Yeah. Like, if he was just, like, one of the jocks from Revenge of the Nerds. Like, if Pegasus had, like, a varsity jacket. <laughs> like, that kind of... <laughs> You tell well, me that plushie wouldn't sell. <laughs> tell me a, that plushie. A, Peg- a Pegasus in a varsity jacket would sell. That's yes. a great idea. Someone draw that. Um, but uh, uh, and, and he's pounding a brew. Yeah, why not? I, I, that part's fine for me. But the thing that just... It, it, it's because it's only a joke for... I don't know... I, they always talk about like, oh, there's, there's the animated movies, but there are jokes for the adults in the audience. And I'm like... Sometimes I see the jokes they put in for the adults in the audience, and I'm like, this was not worth it. Mm. It just breaks the movie or the tone or the reality of it. So there's a bit where Herc and Meg are about to make out, Mm. and then Phil and Pegasus, you hear Phil on a megaphone, which, fine, they would have had that, why not? But then we hear a helicopter, and it turns out that Pegasus has been using the very tips of his wings as helicopter propellers. Mm. And I'm like, you only did that so you could have the helicopter joke as if cops were interrupting them. We did not need that joke. That joke did not land. Mm. That joke is meaningless. And I don't believe even in this cartoon universe that wings can do that. uh, It's only there to be this adult joke that doesn't even work. And, you know, there are some adult jokes that only play to the adults. Like, they're not going to make any sense to the little kids. Yeah. Like um, some of the Oedipus references, they're pretty vague yeah, like, about it. But um, if you know what they, they're there, they're there. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of my favorite, and this is like real late night, was on an episode of Animaniacs. Mm. Where they're posing as detectives. And they're uh, dusting for uh, fingerprints. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we got to look for Prince. We got to look for Prince. And uh, Dot yells from off camera, I found Prince. And she's holding Prince the musician, like, yeah. cradled in her arms. And he says, no, no, fingerprints. She looks at Prince and says, I don't think so. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, she looks at him, he smiles, and she says, mm, I don't think so. And then tosses him away. It's yeah. like, wow. 
That's a heavy that, joke. That, that was on a Saturday morning cartoon That's for a, little that, kids. How, how the hell did that get past yeah, the that, censor? That got, Holy that shit. made it past that's the censor. That's why we have censors. Holy God. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a rough one for a kid's cartoon. Oof. If they sneak in a rough joke or two, I'm okay with that because it's going to go over the kid's head. As long as so it goes over the not, kid's head. If it's not like forthrightly filthy or anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there's always uh, a line to be crossed, but it's yeah, okay yeah. to sneak in there, a joke there's, over there's, the kid's There's something that can be a little blue that's still okay for a kid's movie. Uh, they don't have those in in uh, Hercules. Mm. In fact, that thing where with the Pegasus as the helicopter goes into this weird tone, this weird sort of like virginal tone that a lot of Disney's uh, mm-hmm. sort of fairy tales take. Yeah, where Hercules no, no, is no 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 funny stuff. Leave some room for no, they, for no. Greek Jesus. <laughs> there's there's a pantheon of gods and you go to Greek Jesus. I don't, well, they always say that in like dancing, like leave some room for Jesus. Leave put like room. a balloon between people as they dance. Leave some room get... for uh, well, not Aphrodite or yeah. or any of it, or Dionysus or any of the other sex gods. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, this idea that you know Phil doesn't trust Meg because he knows that she's made deals with some unsavory gods, but uh, it plays like they're trying to defend their. Defend their honor, as it were. Yeah, keep, if Herc, keep, if Herc keep has from having sex, sex, he'll be less noble or something. That's kind of the vibe. Why? I don't know. He, he's eighteen. She, she's clearly an adult. They're as just well. gonna kiss. They've had kissing. There's an entire song in the Little Mermaid about why we want to kiss, but they don't kissing get to. Is okay. yeah, but kissing the, is okay. The kiss is, my is the, point. the triumphant thing that happens at the end, and yeah. that's always frustrated me. It's like, why don't they just kiss throughout? Yeah. Wasn't that the first thing that happens? Look, I'm. I've emerged from the sea with legs. I've given up my voice to be with you. Lay one on me immediately. Well, you have uh, to you have to write that down, I suppose. I, I have a note. <laughs> I have it on a necklace. It's pinned to her sweater. There you go. Um, yeah, again, Disney has bent over backwards to make this extremely conservative when they really didn't need to. Mm. And it kind of erases literally the very nature of the character of Hercules and the mythology on which it's, on which it's based. And what's the point of doing it? Oh, right, money. Um, but besides but, but what, that... But how does that make money? Well, how, does, other, how does being conservative make money? I don't know about how being conservative makes money, but here's how you make Hercules while still attending to what you envision, I guess, is this 1950s era of wholesome. Hmm. And I get it. Disney is trying. This Disney didn't make a lot of movies with male protagonists. Aladdin and The Lion King were sort of breaking the door open for that and making them more, you know... More successful than they had been before. Uh-huh. They'd done it before, but this is more successful in the animated realm. Um, so, and this is their attempt to break into like it's Hercules. We can break into like the action figure market and shit. Hell, we have a joke about it in the in the movie. Uh, but you know, don't don't let him be Hercules. Ever not not, not at, well and under any I, circumstances. Don't let him be Hercules. And well, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is just uh, using an interesting story to make an uninteresting story. I know it's, it's so frustrating. Um, Hercules. I, I, I wish maybe this yeah. is the next step for Disney animated features because they were they went back to fairy tales again and they did Tangled, uh, which was the Rapunzel story. Yeah, and then they and were then they going did to Frozen, which was the Snow Queen, and then they were going to do one called Gigantic, which is going to be Jack and the Beanstalk. I know, I really wanted to see that, and and that was scrapped because Frozen was such a big production. They just went ahead with Frozen Two. Yeah, and Disney does that more often than you might think. Yeah. Disney and Pixar, they have a lo- always have a lot of pans on the fire, and people are. Working on something for years and then told, oh, by the way, you're doing Frozen 2 now. Yeah, it's a, yeah. but what about this, like, three years of hard work I put into Gigantic? Nope, yeah. Gigantic is gone. Gigantic is gone. It's just it will gone never forever. happen. Yeah. Uh, and that, that 
made a lot of sense to me. A single adjective as a title yeah. uh, to describe a, a classic fairy tale. And yeah, they make, make sort of like a hip CGI version of Tangled a Tangled and Frozen are both very good movies. Uh, I, I prefer Tangled, but yeah. But they're both good, though. So it's kind of apples and oranges. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm definitely team Tangled. Sure. Uh, maybe they're, and that was going to be like uh, the big cycle until Frozen sort of broke down mold. Yeah. Uh, and now they're going like all, all in with these sort of remakes of, yeah. of the same cartoons. Yeah, it's their new money making. But when those stop yeah. making money, when those stop making money, else, like... maybe they're going to go back around to classic animation, like cell animation. Oh, God. And do straight versions of the fairy tales, the darker versions of the fairy tales. Not yeah. the, not dark in the Tim Burton way, where no, everything's no. kind of weird and twisted. But like undisney them a little. Yeah, like get yeah. get a Grimm's fairy tale and just do it as straight, like as true to the what text. If, as what you if can. you had like a genuinely kind of creepy Disney version of Hansel and Gretel? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Two D animated, be really gorgeous. The, I, the I, par- I better see that. Where that the parents great. actually hate the children and the I mean, witch wants to kill. No, actually, yeah, no, no, I'm no, serious. Make it, make it actually, I appreciate that there's scary. a. I appreciate that you don't want to make it R rated because it is well, going to no, be for no, kids. No. So there's got to be a line somewhere on there. But yeah, but you can make it make da- it dark. You can make it kind of dour and unpleasant yeah. and still okay for kids. Exactly. No, you should. Mm. I think I think that's the th- way to go. And I think when it came time to make Hercules, they were like, we need to put our stamp on every great public domain story so we can make it ours and then no. copyright it and uh that's kind of what happened here they wanted to make their hercules hercules is now yeah, for it's... a lot of people associated with disney and we need to just quickly run into the ending um herc is a god now he cannot die he's invited to live in the pantheon of gods and he says no 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 i want to live with meg and uh, meg can't be in the pantheon of gods because unlike hercules uh, she she didn't. She didn't sacrifice herself for true love selflessly. Mm-hmm. Wait, but that's kind of exactly what she did. Why yeah. can't she be a god? Like you literally just said, that's the rule. You never said it was only for like Hercules. You just said that that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't an even happier ending be? And Meg also gets to be a god. Oh right. You want to do this as a Saturday morning cartoon show, so Herc has to be part human again. We have to reestablish the status quo. Oh, God, a cartoon show. That's left over from the Eisner days. Oh, I, yeah. I, Eisner uh, charged into Disney and saying, hey, you know what? We're not artists. We're making money. Yeah. And you know what? He did. Uh, that, yeah. Under, a, he made a hell of a lot of money for the company, yeah. he, uh, hipping, hipping up the Disney canon, and yeah. kids still watch that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of failures after, under Eisner yeah. Reign, but he did, his successes if, were huge. I, I think he was was the one who was like behind the Disney afternoon, like that wave of uh, 90s cartoon shows that included Goof Troop, but also like the post DuckTales. I don't wave. have that in front of me, but that um, sounds right. So th- it no, sounds like, like Chippendale, like but now they're do, Rescue you know? Rangers. Uh, Admittedly, those yeah. are some pretty good shows. Once, aside from well, the actual idea, which yeah. is a little cynical to bring them back, they actually made them well and wrote yeah, them yeah. well, and those are nicely animated programs. And, and they, they the, at least until the later years, and we started until, getting like yeah. the Quack Pack and shit. Yeah, Quack Quack Pack uh, Bonkers is not that a very the good. The Mighty show. Ducks when they were like superheroes. Oh God, the Mighty Ducks! Weird. <laughs> <laughs> what a shitty show. Yeah. Not as bad as Lunatics Unleashed, but what a shitty show. What if you did, what if you combined Quack Pack and the Mighty Ducks, and it was Huey, Dewey, and Louie as the Mighty Ducks, as on a hockey team, like on a Pee Wee hockey team, and they're all ducks. The Mighty Ducks are that's just a, done, yeah. That's a better idea. Mm-hmm. Just combine that. those things. Like, why not? Well, it's, it's, it's like... Uh, <laughs> Make it them superhero... Superhero hockey too... players is never going to get a million episodes. Maybe, it's a stupid idea. Maybe that was, uh, was too good an idea to go with. It's like putting... It's like including Herbie the Love Bug in the Cars universe. That seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. But uh, I keep waiting they, for they haven't done Herbie. it. Herbie needs to... Get, by the way, Herbie fully loaded. 
Underrated film. Underrated film. Pretty it's, good Herbie it's a movie. Pretty good Herbie movie. Yeah, I like it's that movie. Definitely not the worst Herbie movie. No, no, no. That's Herbie Goes Bananas. Herbie Goes Bananas is crap. Absolute <laughs> crap. Whew. And I've seen all those Herbie movies, we including, have. including that '90s one with Bruce Campbell, which is also quite good. It's all right. It's, it's for a TV movie, with, especially because they introduce Herbie's nemesis, Horace the Hate Bug. Hor- Horace the Hate Bug is in it. Uh, Horace the Hate Bug needs to remain canon, by the way. Dana Gould, the comedian Dana Gould, yeah. is in it, and he he I think he has one line of dialogue, and his one scene is reacting to Herbie dying. <laughs> Because Horace the Hate Bug is unleashed, and uh, so the, like Horace the Hate Bug charges towards Herbie, and they they whip the camera around. And we just hear the crashing and the crunching, and it's a close up on Dana Gould, the comedian. He's just sort of like wincing and making all these faces about how horrible it is. It's a good bit of bad acting. Hercules is a very popular film nowadays. I think mm. a lot of people grew up with that. I think the cartoon show helped with that, helped sort of solidify it in the consciousness. I think it's what you might call a hot mess. Uh, well, there's a lot, there's so many big, noisy ideas in this Hercules mm. film that there's going to be something in here that kind of intrigues you. Well, when you're a kid and you only yeah. need a couple that of things to latch on to, you know, like, it's, oh, Hades is a good villain. Cool. The muses are awesome. Cool. Do I need anything else? Not really. Mm. You can kind of get through that as a kid, and those things can really stick with you, and those strong elements will elevate the whole material. And I can see that. I really Mm. can. And it's been interesting to see the way that Hercules has sort of found its footing in the popular culture. I actually wasn't aware of this, but uh, my partner, Michelle, uh, showed me after this a Lizzo music video, where it was Lizzo as the muses. I I think it was Lizzo and Cardi B. Specifically, the muses. the muses from this movie. Well, they they it wasn't like a a deal with Disney, but they were clearly shouting it out. Yeah, you know, it was clearly intentionally evoking it. They were you know in the costumes with the columns and everything, but they weren't actually doing like a Disney song. It was yeah. a Lizzo song, and um, it also raises the very valid point, which is that at this time in Disney, Disney was absolutely dominating the family movie market, and Disney was really whiffing it in terms of representation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're like Pocahontas was arguably an attempt, but by erasing the actual history of well, a group the, of people, there was, it uh, didn't really fly. Now did it. I, and Mulan was another one of those. Well, that was, uh, that was after Hercules, but yes, Mulan, was, true, Mulan yeah. was one of the better ones to be uh-huh. fair. Uh, we uh, had the lion King, which is set in Africa, but it was almost entirely white actors. With music by Elton John. I'm not saying it's a bad movie, but also, come on. You know, and so... Could, could be a bad movie. I haven't seen it. Well, I, I, the, the Lion King, I think, is a good movie, but okay. it's it's got issues with its at the heart of it. Yeah. But the actual movie they made out of that, I think, is well made. Okay. Uh, and I still mostly enjoy it, but I can also look at it and go, eh, <laughs> and make that and noise. I'm technically... I can't... Okay. Damn it. That's a good song. This Fuck it. Um... So, but there hadn't been a lot of people of color represented and really forthrightly in yeah. Disney movies at the time. Hercules came out and the muses were everywhere in the advertising. Mm. Uh, they had the best songs. Uh, they're, they really stand out. And I think that matters. I think that counts for something. Uh, but I also think it's indicative of the fact that Disney wasn't putting that kind of representation in, you know, mm. more of the main characters, which is frustrating. Um, but... I don't know. There's stuff I like about it. I, I guess 
I, I guess I finally sat down and watched this entire thing. I'd watched some of it before, and then it was just on, it was just on TV, and I never got it back around to it. I wasn't super into it. And now that I finally sat down and watched this thing, it's just it's such a mess from a story perspective. And I think the animation is really hit or miss. There's some amazing design elements. There's some great production design, some cool monsters. There's also some really terrible character animation, and at least mm. in parts, and the cgi is i get it it's early you're trying to make it work it's not there yet hmm. realize it's not there yet and redo that hydra in 2d please because <laughs> yes. that would have been yes. so much stronger a sequence it would have been so whenever disney does a dragon it's pretty fucking cool typically S- sleeping beauty hmm. pool dragon pete's dragon pete's dragon yeah especially the, right. especially the new one i think but even the old one's fun uh the very underappreciated because no one talks about it anymore Awesome dragon from the song and so dear to my heart. Oh yeah, that's Remember a that cool thing? dragon. Yeah, one yeah. of the, one of Disney's first so, live so action. So dear to my heart is is. I mean, it's it's Disney bland. It's schmaltzy, but, it's, but yeah. it's schmaltzy, but it's good. And yeah. it, it, we did we covered this on an episode of our show canceled to uh, sorry episode of our show not on Disney Plus, which used to be a Patreon exclusive show. It's still a Patreon exclusive show. It's just we're not doing them all the time now. But the backlog's still available for all patrons. Uh, and we talked about the movies that Disney made. But are mysteriously not on Disney Plus, and one of the ones that we did was actually one of Disney's favorite movie. Walt Disney's favorite movies he ever did was was a film called So Dear to My Heart. It was about a little boy on a farm. This is live action, and the sheep in the farm uh, gives birth, and one of the lambs it has black wool, and that's considered mm. very bad luck. A because of superstition, and B because uh, you can really only sell black wool to like people who are in mourning. Yeah, at the time, because based on the time period, so it's not considered a good investment. So the kid has to engineer a way to make this lamb useful, mm-hmm. so his grandmother will keep it, and he decides to do that by trying to turn it into like a show sheep at like a fair. Yeah, and the grandmother thinks he's only doing this for his vanity, but he's actually just desperate to save the sheep's life, and they don't understand each other. It's very sweet. It's simple. It's schmaltzy, but it's very very sweet. But because the general idea was people only want to see a Disney movie if there's animation in it, there's like three or four animated musical numbers in it, and they're gorgeously animated. Mm-hmm. They're really good looking. And there's one uh, about, um, uh, it's like stick to Tenacity. Yeah, it's, uh, no, stick to ativity stick to Yeah, you go. That's it's the like, title of the song. You got stick to ativity and it's talking about all these legendary people from you know legend and history who were on who were losing they were on the outs they they had no hope of winning anything but they stuck to their guns and they never gave up and there's some amazing animation in that sequence some of it is really violent it's got like rob roy in there and shit like it's like what the fuck but it's like there's a giant dragon and it's gorgeous um anyway that's a really underrated film you should check it out i'm not anti-disney i just think disney is a big giant octopus of a corporation and sometimes when they make things they make them very very well and sometimes they make them in a way that comes across with the big stink of corporate on them and hercules unfortunately has most of that it's it feels very corporate and it feel and it has that old uh, that old disney um idealized world kind of feel about it uh and i understand when uh, filmmakers make a film they tend to make a film set in the world they want to see yeah, it's what you want to visit. Yeah. yeah, what does the world look like from my perspective? Here's how I would like things to work, or, or here's you know, how I'm afraid they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so every film, ta- every fictional film, ostensibly takes place in a fantasy universe of the author's mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, I'm not talking. Or I'm not. not talking about this sort of vague push toward fiction. I'm talking about the way Disney specifically 
has a very conservative view of the world mm-hmm. and how in even in something like Hercules, they tend to push a certain type of value. Mm-hmm. But that chastity we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Hercules. Hercules yeah, yeah. is a notable celebrity and he's gone completely corporate. And that's a good thing. That's a fun mm-hmm. thing. That's an, because that's his goal. What does he yeah. want to be? He wants to be a celebrity. That that's well. I also wonder if that might be one of the things that connects of, nowadays. Is that Hercules wants to live out in public and be recognized? Mm-hmm. And we're living in this world through the internet where, where people ev- are growing everybody's up. Everybody's a brand. Yeah. Everybody, well, everybody's social media, everybody's TikTok, everybody's YouTube is some attempt to put themselves out there and to if, be, hopefully be evaluated kindly. If corporate advertising were to stop today, and I know it's not. That's not the way it works. No, of course but, not. But let's but let's but fantasize let's, let's, for, let's a fantasize for a second. There's no more commercials anywhere. No more yeah. billboards. No more TV ads. Nothing. Yeah, no, nothing yeah. before movies. No, no brand awareness. Yeah, um, it's so entrenched in our consciousness. People would still continue to do that on like Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like this is who I am. This is the brand I'm selling. It's me. Mm-hmm. Branding is now like an intrinsic well, part of our consciousness. Th- think about the entertainment media and how mm-hmm. much of the way people who don't work for Disney mm-hmm. are making their living anticipating Disney. Talking about what's going to happen next in Marvel, what's going to happen next in Star Wars. And we need to talk about, oh my god, Disney just did this one thing in the Star Wars episode. We can make 18 hours of content functionally advertising for Disney. It's advertising and it's... You've turned... Disney has turned advertising for Hmm. Disney into a cottage industry for others. That that they don't... Yeah, they have nothing to do with. They don't have to invest uh, one cent into it. And a lot of that... uh, The tone of those is from the company's perspective. Why did the company make this decision? What should Mm -hmm. the company do next? It has nothing to do with the story or the characters. What would be a good idea for here? What would be really daring or interesting to watch? That's never the tone of the conversation. It it kills me when, like, I critique... And listen, if you want to disagree with the critique of mine, that's 100% reasonable. Mm. I'm not complaining about that part. But if I critique something, let's say Disney or Warner Brothers or some other big corporation does, and the counter argument is, well, I mean, like, that's how they make money. That's not the point. They can make money doing anything. Well, and, and they don't have to make money doing something shitty. I can talk about the way that they did that. Defending mm. the company on the company's own terms, that's a kind of weird brainwashing yeah, that we've yeah. allowed to happen to ourselves, where it's just like, well, I mean... I mean, that's how Marvel does it. I'm like, yeah, but they don't have to do it that way. They, they can, can do, do it, it however they want. They yeah, can do because... it stronger. They could do it better. They could do it more more responsibly. Mm. They could do all kinds of things better. And I, I hear and I hear the other counter argument. That would make money. People wouldn't go to see that. I just said I would go see that. Yeah. That's something I would want to see. Yeah. I, so surely there's other people like me. Would that make a million dollars? I don't care. I just yeah. want to see an interesting film. I'm paying you yeah. to see the movie. I'm not making any money <laughs> off of this fucking thing. I want to, I want to give you money to mm. give me something I would like to see. Mm. And if I don't like it, I'll tell you. Yeah. And if, and if I do like it, I'll tell you. And, and, if, and if you made decisions because you're trying to appeal to a broad spectrum of people and as such are stretching the creativity really thin and not uh-huh. do, making really daring decisions because you think you may alienate a large populace, mm-hmm. I think that's an issue because that means you're compromising your creativity. Uh, this is a broad criticism of the Disney Corporation in general, but I think it also goes to Hercules. Yeah. And because to be fair, Disney's part, not yeah. the only corporation that does oh, goodness, this at no. all, but it's, it is what we're talking about right now. They just happen to be the best. Uh, but <laughs> At it. At it. Yeah. Uh, But this is a big theme in Hercules. He believes that heroism and fame and notoriety and wealth and having a brand Mm -hmm. are the same things. And he's wearing merchandise. And that's supposed to be sort of a cynical corporate joke Uh that, oh, look, here's Hercules, this ancient god, but he's got Air Herc sneakers you can buy. You know, um, drink out of like a Herc collector's mug. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. 
and while that scene is like a bit of a gag, it's never pilloried or vilified in any sort of way. Uh-huh. Like he yeah. he's told that this is not what true heroism is, but he's never told to put it down yeah. and stop selling stuff. I think the counter argument to that, I'm going to provide the counter counter argument in All a right. second. The counter argument to that is at the end of the movie, Herc becomes a true hero, is selfless, mm. has an opportunity to get everything he always wanted, live with the gods and decides to stay at home. And, and stay on Earth and be yeah. with Meg. Um, so that's the counter-argument to that. Is that oh, Herc's learned a viable lesson. The counter-counter-argument of that is, did he? Because if he goes back to live with the gods, he is now surrounded by equals. Hmm. And what is he instead doing? He's staying on Earth where he is Superman. He's the most popular <laughs> celebrity in the world. He's got the the love interest he's always pined for. And he's enormously wealthy and successful. He actually becomes the giant fish in the little pond as opposed to the normal-sized fish in the fishbowl. So I don't... It it doesn't quite sell the way I think you want it to because if you think about it, it's not like he's going back to, like, live out his days in anonymity. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, no. He's going back to be Hercules. He has his own show. He's going to do more Herc shit. It, it and it ha- well in that case it has sort of like a superhero narrative. I'm going to go back to Earth and and he doesn't say this, but you know I guess the implication is he's going to defend the weak. Yeah, he's going to and, you know be a be a vigilante. But he never says he'll give up the money. No, no, no. no. Yeah, he, he never gives up his birthright. That would be the truly noble thing. Yeah. Oh, um, to give up his powers, that would be noble. Yeah. I don't think he does though, because that's, again he has a show. That that's a big part of uh, Superman too. Yeah, he gives up his I- godhood. <laughs> He gets it back at the end, I mean, but you know, I think I think the problem with Superman too is he does it for selfish reasons. Yeah, well, he does that, it because that's, he that's wants to he have sex. Lesson, they never yeah. say he can't have sex with Superman. I, All he does is he asks, "Hey, can I can I get my powers taken away?" And they're like, uh, "You sure?" And he's like, "Yeah, okay." Then he has sex with Lois Lane. Then he loses a fight. Then he finds out Zod took over the planet. And then he says to Lois, "Yeah, you know what? I regret this immediately." And then goes back to his fucking fortress of solitude <laughs> and then gets his powers back. And then takes her memory away, which feels like a violation, mm. and then goes back, now that he's super-powered, to this pit-stop diner in order to beat the living shit out of a mere mortal mm. who once picked on him when he was feeling a little vulnerable that day. That is Ooh, not I, heroism. I, I hope he killed him. Just I, pushed him against the ground and pulled his brain Superman out. 2 does not work for me. There's stuff I like yeah. in it, but Superman there's, 2 does not work as a story there, for there's, me. There's a lot I like about Superman 2. Yeah. I th- I think not this, alone is great. I think the story's yeah. fine. I think yeah. it's it's a, a little more uh, comedic than I think a lot of people it, it, want here, here's, here's Here's my big... Here's my, Beyond that, um, beyond the fact that Superman basically kills the Phantom Zone criminals and no, they never say he doesn't. He just throws them down a pit when they're powerless and then mm-hmm. leaves them forever. We never talk about them again, so I think they're dead. Mm-hmm. Story-wise, there's one giant plot hole in that movie. Do you know what it is? In Hercules or in Superman 2? Superman 2. <laughs> okay. What's the giant plot hole? Lex Luthor and Miss Teschmacher go to the Fortress of Solitude, and then we never see Miss Teschmacher again. That's right. She's, she's out of the movie. Yeah. They she doesn't die. She doesn't abandon him. She doesn't go up based on principle. She isn't caught by the police. She is just out of the movie, and nobody ever talks about it. I've never heard anyone actually bring this up other than, oh, yeah, this Teschmacher's gone. Like, no, 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 no. We were supposed to be invested in her. She had a whole fucking, like, come to come to Superman moment 
at the end of the first movie and then she like is still with Lex and she's there for the first half of the film and then she just literally is gone and we never talk about it nope what the fuck <laughs> it's so it's well. so bad I know the movie switched directors and stuff but seriously which is not even gonna not even a throwaway line I'm a Teshmacher I, I left her in Alaska evil thing to do I, do, I disapprove Lex but at least we've covered the plot hole <laughs> Well, the the fortress needed a sacrifice. <laughs> Jesus. We, we got to move on. Mortals cannot move in. We got it. We got it. We got to move on. Unless you feed it some blood. Hey, listen. Thank you to all of our patrons for voting for this. I'm glad yeah. I finally saw it. I wish I liked it more. I know a lot of people really like this movie, and I apologize I, if I don't, this feels uh, like you know we're kind of we're, we're kind of being mean to this movie, but we just didn't care for it, and we have to be honest about that. Um, I I. I think I like it a little more than you do. I, um, I watched it when it came out in theaters, and I, yeah. I saw it a second time since then. So um, uh, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I know I've I listened to the soundtrack a lot for some reason, so mm. I know the songs pretty well. Uh, and uh, I think it's it's sort of like a lighthearted romp. It's not as grievous a comedy as something like Meet the Robinsons, or mm. I, never I never saw, saw that either. I, I never saw Bolt, but uh, th- there was mm. this pretty dark period where they were trying to do CGI comedies. Disney, Disney were, trying to feel out that whole uh, yeah, that, that the, whole wave of animation was mm. a pretty rough time. Yeah, it, um, Although I've heard good things about Meet the Robinsons. I actually know a lot of people yeah, really like that one. Treasure Planet uh, didn't do very well. It was an incredibly expensive production, and they lost money. Uh, then their last, uh, they announced that their last uh, cell animated film feature ever was uh. going to be Home on the Range, which oh, was yeah. also grievously unpopular. Nobody yeah. talks about Home on the Range. Yeah, and then they decided, eventually a few years later, they were like, okay, fine, we'll go out on Princess and the Frog. And then they decided, okay, we'll go out on that Winnie the Pooh film. Hmm. Both of those are beautifully animated. I've heard that the Winnie the Pooh film, like... Uh, Alonso Duralde compared it to, to Miyazaki. Like, he called it like, that, that level vibe. of, like, kind of I, call. I, I don't think it's that good, but it's definitely got that vibe. It's a very, very good film. I just don't, I just wouldn't put it up there with, like, Totoro. But, like, mm. it's a very, very good film. For me, Princess and the Frog, I love that movie. I think that movie's think really, good. really beautiful. That movie uh, made me, that movie made me cry like nobody's business when, insert character here, uh, something bad did, happens did to did a bad thing, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that uh, bit killed me. <laughs> killed me Dead. It was so sad, but I, I love that it. it was really good. Yeah, the only thing wrong is the two main characters, <laughs> but they're not they're mostly when they're when they're, they're frogs. They're, they're, There's a they're, whole big long portion where they're both frogs. That's not they're not. not that's not interesting. as interesting as the rest of the movie. But I still think it's a very good film. Uh, um. Anyway, I, but we're we're uh, going to be back next time with uh, mm. with more critically reclaimed, and next time we're going back to the Criterion Channel, and we're going to be reviewing the film of our Patreons, uh, our Patreons, our Patreons', Patreons. choice right. over Patreon.com/slash/CriticallyAcclaimedNetwork. Even for one dollar a month, you get to vote. For future episodes of Critically Reclaimed, you also get a variety of podcasts at various tiers, including the $1 a month. Uh, so thank you to all of our patrons for keeping us afloat. Uh, and if you want to join up, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, your options for the next episode of Critically Reclaimed are Black Narcissus. Uh, this is a Powell and Pressburger, right? Yeah. It's a Power and Pressburg uh, film about nuns at a convent in the Himalayas, and it is apparently one of the most astoundingly pretty movies ever made, and mm-hmm. I've never seen it. I usually don't tell you which ones I haven't seen, but I, I haven't seen that one, so there you go. Uh, let's stop, next up, we've got Daisies. It's a, from the Czech New Wave. Yeah. Um... Uh, and uh, I actually don't know, actually know I, much about it. Not to spoil which ones I haven't seen, but it's, it's I about, know much uh, about it. Two, two young women who decide to break all the rules. Okay, yeah. good, good pitch. Uh, next up, we have uh, Mikey and Nikki. 
Uh, this is a mobster movie. Yeah. yeah, it's a Lang May film starring Peter Falk and John Cassavetes uh, as uh, one of them is on the run from the mob and the other one teams up with them to try to help. And then uh, lastly, we have Jackie Chan in the original martial arts classic Police Story, which has some of the greatest stunts of all time. And then, and think it over. Don't just choose that one because it's the action. No, film. no, you don't. Have to, you whichever one you want. Which one you're curious about? Which one you want us to like mm. watch for you, so you can decide for yourself if you really want to. There's a million different reasons, and honestly, uh, I love our patrons because they usually. I mean, sometimes they'll go for like the mainstream, and that's totally cool too. But every once in a while, they do like to throw something weird at us, something we did not think would win. Yeah, and yeah. I love that. Please, you know, just vote with your heart, vote with your head, vote whatever you want, but just keep voting because you've got interesting taste, and we love you for it. So thank <laughs> you so much. We'll review whichever film wins that poll on the next Critically Reclaimed. Uh, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, I know Hercules has some fans. If you want to talk about that, you can email us. Our email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net Whitney what is our P.O. Box yeah you can send us an actual physical letter uh, send it to the, the Critically Acclaimed Network P.O. Box 641565 Los Angeles California 90064 yeah and we might, we might read your letter or email on an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail uh, we also have uh, a, a Twitter. We're on Twitter. We're at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, if, if you're new by any chance, please subscribe to the to the show. We have a lot of shows here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. Cancel Too Soon. We review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. Critically Acclaimed. We review new motion pictures. Uh, we've got mail. We do letters. And, of course, we have a ton of shows over at our Patreon. Shows mm-hmm. about Star Trek. Shows about Batman. Backlogged. We did an entire series about Firefly. We did an entire series about uh, made-for-TV movies. We did an entire series. We do commentary tracks. There's a ton of stuff over there. Uh, so thank you to everybody who subscribes. Thank you to everybody who's a patron. Thank you to everybody just for being you. We think you're really cool. And that what, is... What, what keen people you are. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, we end the podcast now. Now. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.